Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us whose name is Matthew Ko. Matthew is the co-founder and COO at DeepScribe Inc., an artificially intelligent medical scribe platform. DeepScribe produces accurate, reliable, and quick EHR-ready medical documentation simply by listening to the natural patient encounter. Prior to this, Matt was a consultant within Ernst & Young's data and analytics practice, helping leading companies innovate by enhancing their ability to use and interpret data. He is a proud alumnus of the Walter A. Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley. Fun fact, Matt has a sandwich named after him at the Tivoli's restaurant in Berkeley. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the podcast today, Matt. And I, we just have to talk about the sandwich real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's this happen? Um... Wow, you you really caught me there, Brian. Um, you know, it was just you know I used to go to this restaurant called Tivoli's in Berkeley every single day, like literally every single wow. day, and I would order this sandwich um, that was not on the menu. I basically like made it myself, and I just grew to to really um, connect with the family that owns the restaurant, and we became really good friends. Um, I told a bunch of my friends about the sandwich that I ordered and they would see me order and eating it and they would eventually go in and start ordering it. And it, it just happened so frequently that uh, they decided to, to name the, the sandwich after me. So we had like a, a sandwich naming ceremony and all of that. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, official. I love that. So big accomplishment. Not everyone can say they have a sandwich named after them. Also, it also shows how remarkably consistent you are as a person. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Let's, let's kind of hop into your story, man. Like, tell us about yourself and, you know, want to hear more about your upbringing and everything. Yeah, sure. So, um, my name is Matt. Um, as, as you guys probably heard, I am the co-founder of DeepScribe. Um, so at DeepScribe, essentially what we do is we automate clinical documentation for doctors. So, you know, when everyone is a patient, uh, they probably have been to the doctor's office before. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes notice that the doctor is actually typing on a computer or writing some notes down. And essentially what we do is we automate that entire process. Um, my background is that I am not a doctor. <laughs> I am, I don't have, um, you know, formal training in medicine. Uh, my training is from Google and through my experience <laughs> working through DeepScribe. Um, my background is mostly in technology. Um, so I served as a consultant inside the advanced analytics department of Ernst & Young's uh, consulting group. Um, and really we started DeepScribe to, to solve a, a problem that, that I was going through personally. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was working at EY um, and also when I was in college, I was serving as the care coordinator for my mom when she had breast cancer. And, um, I would actually fly down, uh, to be with her during these appointments, helping, you know, interpret and helping translate, um, what is, what is being said. My mom's from Taiwan 
And, um, you know, she, she really needed that support uh, just to make sure that she understood what's going on throughout every step of the way. Um, and we like to joke that Deep Scribe started um, when my mom asked me this one question. And the question was, are you lying to me? Um, and, you know, I basically was really taken back by this comment because, um, you know, I, I couldn't understand why she would even think that. I'm literally flying down to help translate for her. You know, she's being cared for the same way that when I go see the doctor as I get cared for. And, you know, she used to tell me, she's like, Matt, I used to sing karaoke with my doctor. And, you know, my oncologist hasn't looked at me once. And, you know, what she really explained to me was that, um, you know, she didn't really care about what exactly the doctor was saying. You know, all she needed was someone to really kind of hold her hand, look her in the eyes and, and tell her that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, when I actually kind of started to, to realize that, you know, this wasn't happening, I became one of those evil patients that you hear about all the time that, you know, goes to Google to get their MD and would just become one of those terrible patients that would question everything the doctor is doing. Um, and, you know, it got to the point where I said, you know, I really want to change this. Maybe I can, you know, transfer my mom's care to somebody. And that's when I went to my co-founder, um, Akhlesh, whose dad is an oncologist. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of explained to um, Akhlesh's dad what I was going through, he kind of just laughed at me and he said, Matt, like, you can't blame your mom's oncologist for not providing that, you know, compassionate care that you're looking for. And he, he started to explain to me about all the things that happen beyond, you know, the curtain after the patient leaves the room, right? We started to learn how burnt out clinicians were. Uh, we started to learn um, how important documentation was. And, you know, as two kind of geeky kids, we said, hey, maybe we can build something cool that uh, can solve this problem. And that's really how it all started. Um, so we started DeepScribe, it incorporated in 2017, um, but we didn't really go to market till the end of 2019. Um, and since then, it's just been a wild ride. Um, we, we now service hundreds of clinicians all over the United States. We save them up to 2.7 hours a day on their documentation. And it's really kind of a, an amazing journey to be able to, um, you know, see the lives that we change, especially not having that medical background that um, you, you think that you need in order to, to solve a problem. So that's amazing. Yeah, I, I just wanted to point out that I think we often think, you know, if we want to get into the medical field, you need to be a doctor, or you need to be in some sort of role in the medical field, but you don't have any of that experience at all. But you were still, you know, you and both you and Akhlesh both were, you know, so persistent on solving this problem that you both had, you know, and Akhlesh also had a father who was a doctor and you both kind of had that inspiration to come up with something like deep scribe. So I think that's super inspirational. Yeah. I'm so glad your mom's doing a lot better now. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, yeah thanks. Definitely our, our first concern. We've heard that story too. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm so glad that, you know, she not only inspired you to change more lives, but that she's being better better in general. I really like the fact that when you describe deep scribe, I first you're like deep scribe. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah that's amazing and so how, what were the you know the, the first couple of months when you you know started deep like and 
you know, going into a field where you have no really like strong background in, in the medical field, what were some of the challenges that you guys went through? Yeah. And to add more on that too, you're so driven by a mission driven company. Mm-hmm. So hats off to you to, to do something like this, because not a lot of people would take that leap to do something they have no expertise in just right. because you care about it. You guys did it, figured it out and just roll, roll along the way and just made it happen. So hats off. Yeah. You know, I think the hardest thing is this like, you know, battling the anxiety of, of imposter syndrome. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, especially in the startup community, you always feel like you're not good enough. Right. And especially, you know, as an Asian American growing up, you're always kind of told that you can do better. Right. I would come home with an A and I would be asked why I didn't get an A plus. Right. And, you know, to me, I think it's good. And now that I look back on it, because it made me a very competitive person and it made me extremely motivated. I'm motivated by that type of, um, you know, you know, that type of train of thought. Um, but at times it was really challenging because you kind of, you, you shy away from certain obstacles or certain things because you, you think that you're not good enough. So one of the biggest things when we started the company was getting over that fact, right. And really understand, look, when there's a will, there's a way I care about something and I want to spend my life doing something where, you know, when I go to sleep, I'm thinking about it. And when I get out of bed, I'm thinking about it and, you know, something that actually fulfills me. And, you know, it, it's really liberating to, to be radical about that and to go out there and chase your dreams and not wait for the validation of others to, to know that you're good enough. And I think once, you know, that mindset really took place, it really helped us kind of get over a lot of the challenges that we had, you know, trying to create a product for somebody um, that we really kind of didn't understand the problem firsthand of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was that. And then I think the second thing was, the feedback, right? So when we started this company, you know, one of the things that we had to do was a lot of customer discovery, right? And as technologists, I feel like you almost have this certain way and angle that you approach problems, right? Um, but sometimes that angle is not really what that, pe- that person is looking for. So to give you guys an example, when we first started the company, um, we didn't do any customer discovery and we just started building an Alexa skill. <laughs> and uh, we thought, wouldn't it be so cool if a doctor can say, Hey Alexa, you know, take a note of this. Hey Alexa, take a note of that. And, you know, we all spent a, you know, a few months kind of developing that. And we ended up giving it to a bunch of, uh, Lash's family and friends. And it was just like our baby. We were so excited to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And after like, a few hours, every single one of them, like just said, you know, this sucks. This is the worst thing that I've ever used in my life. Like you guys, you know, you're doing it all wrong. And we were crushed because, you know, as technologists, we're like, whoa, this is like the coolest technology ever. You know, this is when Alexa was kind of becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think when we really took back and said, Hey, like, why does it suck? And started approaching the problem, assuming that we didn't know anything. And really kind of starting with the customer and saying, look, what would you want out of this, right? And taking a a technology perspective from that, that's when we really started to discover, you know, one of the gems about our solution that still stands strong today, which is this idea of, you know, having an ambient solution, right? An idea of having a technology that you don't need to interact with through a wake word or through any other trigger. It's something that can understand a natural conversation and, pull out all the relevant details from it and summarize it for you in a way that, um, in a way that's appropriate. Um, 
So, you know, just really kind of liberating yourself from all those assumptions, um, you know, really helped us at, you know, end up where we are today. That's, that's amazing. You know, as a, so some of my listeners know I'm, I used to be a software engineer and for me to hear these things is like so cool. (laughs) I think it's really cool. Um, I mean, it's good that, you know, you launch your product, you launch your MVP, you got feedback immediately, you know, like some people never even get to that point. And if they get feedback, they're still harsh on themselves. Like you mentioned earlier, like imposter syndrome, that they just quit. You're like, wait, I'm building a crappy product. I should just quit because no one likes it. But the fact that you incorporated these feedbacks, although they were negative to begin with, created a better product for people, you know, and that's, that's a sign of mature entrepreneur, you know, that's a sign that you do want it to happen. That's a sign that that you're, you're willing to listen to your customer. Because what I realized about other creators and engineers and founders is that sometimes our biggest downfall is that we don't like to listen to customers. Well, that's not true at all. Customer is key, guys. Like, listen mm-hmm. to customers, but keep in mind that not all customers know what they're talking about. You know, so yeah. incorporate the good ideas and, and don't incorporate every single idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, if it fits into your vision, your North Star and business plan, then incorporate it. You know, so that's one thing I want to point out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially in healthcare as well, I think that everyone kind of has their own preferences on how they want to receive healthcare or, you know, um, but especially in healthcare, you know, customers' preferences and their feedback and their opinions are very, very important. And it's so important for you to to take in that feedback. So I do want to ask you a technical question. How do you determine the algorithm to select the keywords that the doctor is saying that's important? (laughs) <laughs> I, have to ask I don't know if I can go too deep into that. Not, not, not too deep, but like it's a general idea. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it, it took a lot of work, right? Because, you know, essentially what we had to do was we had to harvest and develop our own data set, right? You know, typically in the academic community, if you had a problem, you go find some data set out there and you train your model on it. Right. And we're dealing in a space that is so on the cutting edge that, you know, there is no data. The data that we use is a natural patient conversation. And, you know, those aren't really being recorded anywhere. Right. And not only that, we need to be able to label these uh, these conversations in a very highly accurate way. That is that is, you know, unshackled from some of the biases of the people that are giving you that data. Right. So one one unique thing about these notes is that. There is no object, there is an extent, there's a degree of objectivity to what is relevant uh, to a a patient's chart. But at the same time, there's this huge long tail of things that some doctors think are important, others doctors think that aren't important. And if you're unable to capture that long tail, it makes it very difficult um, to say that you have like a comprehensive solution. Um, so I think for us, what we had to do was we, we had to not only label the data by looking at the final notes that were produced by those doctors, but we had to take our own perspective on it. We had to train our own data labelers to, to go in and say, Hey, you know, this might be important to another doctor, even though it's not important to this doctor. And it just took years of that, to be honest, it took years of really kind of understanding what is, what is important, what could be important, what is definitely not important. And, you know, through years and years of that, we've been able to train an algorithm that is able to kind of pull things out, but also we're able to kind of tweak that by accommodating for preferences, right? So one really cool thing about our product is that um, there's a whole conversion layer that uh, a, a doctor can customize. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I like to joke that you can take um, a note or you can take a note written 
for the same patient from two doctors. And they're going to look exactly, they're going to look totally different. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because these preferences, right? Some doctors like very verbose sentences. They like going to detail, right? Other doctors are short and concise. They use bullet points. And if, if your solution to that is to give them a robotic note that doesn't look anything like theirs, they're going to spend a lot of time, you know, revising your note to look like theirs. So what, we, what we've been able to do is we've been, we've been able to develop a conversion layer that is able to accommodate for some of these. So say if you want to decrease the verbosity of your sentences, we can do that. If you want to change the pronouns of how you refer to the patient, we can do that. If you want to change the body systems that you do for different, you know, physical exam templates, we can do that. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't Google it, right? You can't just go online and find someone that has written directions on how to build this. It's like, you need to do that by just being, you know, completely transparent with your customers and understanding what their needs are. Um, so. Uh, that's, that's, that's so cool. It's <laughs> so unique. And my goodness, I'm thinking, I'm like visualizing my, my head right now. I'm like, dude, that's, that's so hard to do. And <laughs> the fact that you're able to capture all the data and create new data sets for this, for this company, that's, that's, whew, that's amazing, man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So we understand you have a third co-founder as well. So it's the three of you. Um, and we understand that you're all technical. The three of you are all technical. And oftentimes, you know, you have companies that start off with a, a CEO or a founder who, you know, sometimes isn't technical and they they bring on a CTO that is, you know, from the technical side. So what are some of the advantages that you guys had when all three of you are technical and you got you you brought in like a blend of like tech and domain understanding and healthcare all together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel like it's a double-edged sword, right? So I, I first want to put out that like of my three co-founders, I am by far the least technical out of all of them, right? Like, you know, both Akhlesh and Kai, Kyrie are, are two of the most talented engineers that I've ever met, right? We used to joke that when we have a problem and, you know, you know, for, for example, when COVID hit, right? When COVID hit, we said, hey, like we should build a telemedicine solution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we kind of sat back and I sat down with my team and we're like, oh, it'll probably take, you know, two, three months uh, to build something like this. And then we asked Kyrae, our CTO, and he was like, I'll have it to you by Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, I think it's, it, there's an advantage to that in that, like, you can, you have kind of that diversity of thought in that team dynamic. Cause for me, it's like, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? Because I come from more of the business background and I, I manage everything that's not code in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that optimism is met with practicality when you start talking to these engineers, because, you know, I describe an idea and I'm like, this is a well thought idea. And, you know, we have to, you know, distill it into, you know, a BRD, a business requirements document, and then a technical, a functional requirements document. And you start to kind of unpack like, wow, like, you know, if I am expressing a solution this way and, you know, someone else that needs to execute on the solution is thinking about all these other edge cases, then it becomes like a lot, it becomes a lot harder uh, to develop something like that without like um, an orchestra that is kind of, you know, harmonizing with the way that these two trains of thought are working. So I think it's really helped us in that, like, you know, we, we have a really solid rhythm in the business, but I think sometimes it hurts us because, um, 
you know, as technologists and as business people, we want a lot of different things, yeah. right? So when we ask, you know, the, the engineering team, what is the biggest priority for the business? A lot of them would say, hey, like infrastructure, let's make this infrastructure more and more scalable, right? And this the sales team would be like, well, it already works. Let's just build new features, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is like, you know, that diversity of thought is good, but you need to be careful and mindful about how to kind of orchestrate that and, and bring that back together for it to actually be productive. Absolutely. Yeah. Very um, interesting hearing both sides. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting hearing that, that, that dynamic that you guys have mm-hmm. some technical and business. And it's really, really, really true. You know, like mm-hmm. business people, our mentalities want to hire like, us to generate as much revenue as we can. Right. Sometimes it doesn't, connect, it doesn't connect well with the technical side. It's like, why are you, why are you promising that? We don't, we don't have that ready yet. <laughs> that's, that's like that gender that's balance. Exactly like, it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, like, like the, the balance that we all face as like technical, uh, technical founders and co-founders. But I want to like, understand more about your own personal founder journey and what you learned about yourself throughout the last four years. You know, when you started the company and had a product launch in 2000, 2017, 2019, like, what was your growth mindset like? And that at a certain point where you're just like, like, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life? Or how did you overcome like the, the initial fears and struggles that you began with? Yeah. You know, I think it was a really long journey for me. I think, you know, I had to deal with some personal anxiety, right? You know, to be honest with you, like when we started the company in 2017, I didn't tell my parents that I quit my job until 2019. Wow. Two, Two years. years. Oh my goodness. That is- uh, and that wasn't until we raised, you know, millions of dollars from institutional investors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason for this was, you know, because as I said, going back that imposter syndrome, right? Like when I graduated college, started working at a, you know, big four um, accounting firm, it was easy for my parents to be proud. They were like, Hey, like my son works at UI and it was just easier to talk about. Um, and I, and I knew this, right. And, you know, at the time he's like, Hey mom, dad, I want to, you know, throw this all away to go pursue this dream that I have. Right. Even though I think it was, it, it was pretty honorable. The, the reason why I wanted to do it, I, I was still afraid to kind of be open about it. Um, so you know, the first thing for me was again, going back to like, just being radical and just saying, Hey, like, I don't need any other person's validation that what I'm doing is right. Like when I wake up from bed every single day, I know what I want to do that day. Right. I don't need someone to say, it's okay for you to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if you have a good head on your shoulders and you, and you, and you are kind of, you know, honest with yourself and, and you're, you're, you're not afraid to, to do that. And, you know, I think a lot of cool things can happen, right? You know, when we started the company, like we weren't getting paid, right? And my parents didn't know, so they weren't supporting me, right? So it, it was like, I, I was, you know, living off the money that I had saved up and there was a lot of pressure from that. And, you know, going back to, I'm a very competitive person. I'm very motivated by this. It, it, it almost kind of helped me because I said, I want to prove them wrong. I want to like, when I tell them, I want that, I want it to be such that, you know, there's nothing that they can be, but proud of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest 
thing that I learned about myself was like, look, I'm okay with being radical. You know, I'm okay with, you know, just not seeking validation from others. Um, and then I would say the second thing is I, I always repeat this because one of our board members taught me this and I say this almost every day. I say, what got you here will not get you there. And it's, it is honestly the mantra of my journey as a startup entrepreneur, because, you know, when you start a company, the things that you do are changing every single day. Right. And unless you have that ability to evolve as a person and be honest with yourself and say, Hey, like, this is what you need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never going to succeed. Right. So like when we started the company, I was doing everything. I was getting on the back of my Vespa driving to every single doctor's clinic in San Francisco, knocking on people's doors, trying to hand them flyers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was at the same time trying to incorporate the business, figure out taxes, figure out go to market strategy, everything else. Once we raised our seed round, it became, how do I build a team? right? What, what is the staffing model to build a successful organization? How do I learn how to recruit people? How do I learn how to inspire people? Mm-hmm. And now that we have all these employees, it's like, okay, how do I create a culture where people are motivated and fulfilled by the work that they do? Right. And every single, every single stage, you, you have to be honest with yourself and say like, look, what do I need to change? And what do I need to do now to get me to the next level? Right. Um, so it's, 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 I think that's kind of one of the most important lessons I've learned as an entrepreneur. I love that. I love that journey a lot. Yeah, that is amazing. It's, it's very inspiring to see you grow as a person, you know, and especially because the mission and the inspiration of Describe is so near and dear to your heart that you were trying to solve a problem, you know, being a care coordinator for your mother and, you know, just trying to prove them wrong. And that, that goes so deep down in like Asian culture as well, you know, and they're so, they get so proud of us if we have a stable job and a stable income. But, you know, like when Brian and I quit our jobs, it was also very hard for us to tell our parents because we're so afraid of the the things that they'll say and the things that they'll think, you know, and for them to not, for them to know that we won't have a stable job, it's like, we want to prove them wrong. We want to tell them like, we're going to be okay, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's more than that too, right? Like for, for you guys, it's, I, I, as Asian Americans, to some degree, I think success is defined for us. Right. Right. Like you grow up thinking, Hey, I want you to be a lawyer. I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be an accountant. Right. And, you know, what I found is like, you know, especially I'm sure you guys have, have found this, you know, with your parents is like, what makes it even more proud is when you define success for yourself and you can prove to them that like they raised somebody smart enough and, and good enough for that definition of success to be something that they could be proud of, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think like the the doctor lawyer analogy is a good reference point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you you know if your parents have raised somebody where they want uh, where that person wants to excel beyond that and to find their own and forge their own path, I think that's where it becomes you know really special to see that to see that happening. Yeah, yeah. right, absolutely. Definitely agree with that part too. And just add on more, it's like your parents might not support you at the beginning, but after you prove that whatever you choose is viable, so is a viable career path, they are they are your biggest supporter ever. Yeah. To get to that point, it's a different struggle. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love how you mentioned that, um, you know, as you were growing into, you know, being CEO of this company, you had to learn new things. You had to learn how to recruit people. You had to learn how to, you know, manage people and lead the organization. And I did read in an article that building culture within DeepScribe was very important for you guys. And, you know, you guys would talk about how you you could slack someone at like 1 a.m. and their green light would be on because everyone just had the same vision for DeepScribe that they were so passionate about the mission, right? And at any hour of the day or night, they would be willing to respond back because they're just so passionate about the mission. And would kind of love to hear, like, how did you guys build that culture within DeepScribe? I'm sure it had to take a lot of work to build that culture. It does take a lot of work to just, you know, run an organization and build culture within the organization. So how did you guys do it? And I also feel like Matt leads by example. Yeah, I want to hear more about that <laughs> yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think culture, a company's culture is a direct reflection of their founders. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like the type of people, you know, I, I've, you know, met a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, are on very, very unorganized, but they, they have an uh, organized chaos. Right. And I have other entrepreneurs that, you know, just like their workhorses. Right. I, I'm a very type A type person. You know, my girlfriend would, would tell you that I never stopped working. <laughs> I, she told me yesterday that in my sleep, I told her to map out the buyer journey. um so you know it's something that i always think about and you know i think that the culture of the company takes on that the same kind of behavior in the mindset of the founders that said i think for us it became something that we didn't really think about very early on right as i said like when we're starting the company we're doing everything right and we're, the last thing we wanted to think about was you know what color swag we're going to get you know our employees or how should we celebrate the small win um and i think as the team kind of grew we started to learn that like not everybody is as type a as us or not everybody can work every single day and like you know be up at 4 a.m when something happens um so I think for us, it was just like, okay, how do we develop a culture where, you know, it's, it's all based off of what fulfills that person. Right. So like when I interview people, you know, the first thing I usually say is, look, I've read your resume. It's, it's really impressive, but I'm not really interested in talking about anything in that resume. What I want to do is I want to get to know who you are as a person and what motivates you. Right. Because as long as what motivates that person aligns with the mantra of the business and they're able to subscribe to that mantra, they're able to to really kind of devote themselves from a personal level to what to to what they want to work on. Um, Because, you know, for me, like I like to say that the the lines between work and life are blurred. Right. Um, Like this. This is my life's work. Right. And. you know, I want everybody as part of the business to feel that way as well. And as, 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 as such, we fairly compensate them. Everybody in our company has a meaningful equity stake in our business because we strongly believe that that is how you align those incentives to say, Hey, like, I'm not here just because I want to make a salary. I'm here because I want to change the world. Right. Um, and you need a team of people like that to, to really make that vision, um, that you have a reality. No, that's, that's absolutely true. And yeah. I, I love that, you know, and I love how generous you are with taking care of the team and being there for them. So hats off to that. And we understand how hard it is to build a team. 
You know, it's, it's extremely difficult, but once you get everyone onto the same vision, like the work that we do is, is so gratifying, you know, to just to change the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you mentioned that, you know, everyone really needs to align their internal goals with the vision and the mission of the company, right? Because, you know, if, if same thing as you said, if you pay that person a salary, it, it takes so much more than just a salary to have that person be on board and be passionate about the company. You really need them to like want to change the world and go along with this vision to change the world, right? Because as soon as I get that salary, it's like, okay, I'm going to go out for the rest of the week and not, you know, focus on work, but really be passionate about changing that world within that mission is so important. Yeah. yeah. And what you said about, you know, just being your life work is so relatable to us as well. Like mm-hmm. We see Asian Hustle Network being our life's work. And because we see it that way, we're so patient with the way we make decisions and, mm-hmm. yeah. and do things because we just want, we want to make the best organization that we can in our lifetime to just mm-hmm. really like create better reputation. And we feel the same passion in your voice and your story and the way you treat your employees. This is hats yeah. off to you, man. Yeah, yeah. It really reminds me of Asian Hustle Network as well because we've had volunteers, you know, and it, our, our main focus is to always find people who do want to change the world and yeah. be an influence to the Asian community um, and not only volunteer, just to volunteer. And so it is. it does take a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of tips and advice do you have for someone who wants to be an entrepreneur? You know, something that you didn't realize before that now you realize that you and that if you can tell your younger self this one advice, what, what would that advice be? It's hard to just pick one. Right? <laughs> right, you get two. <laughs> it's hard to pick two. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I think the first thing is, and I said that before, is just do it right? Like stop waiting for the world to, to bring you what you want and go out and get it. Right. Like, and, and, you know, just don't be afraid to ask for what you want, right? Like if you have an idea of the world and you know what you want out of it, don't wait for the world to give it to you, go grab it. Right. And, you know, if, if you are brave enough to do that, then you should also understand that like, you know, only through that will you be able to learn and test your true boundaries. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of what life's about, right? Life is about, you know, understanding who you are. It's this, you know, monk-like journey to be the best version of yourself. And if you can't, if you're too afraid to, to confront some of, you know, the parts of yourself that you know aren't so great, or you aren't, you're, you're too afraid to, to confront some of the parts of yourself that you know are awesome, right? Then, you know, you're just going to be who you are yesterday. Um, so I think the first thing is just go out and do it. Right. Um, the second thing is I would say like, just celebrate the small wins. Right. I think, especially as an entrepreneur, your, your job is to solve unsolvable problem. And the, the issue with solving an unsolvable problem is that it's the paradox, right? There is a problem after a problem, after a problem, after a problem. And you're never really going to get to the point where you've solved everything right? The unsolved problem is unsolvable. But along the way, you're going to, you're going to have these small wins, right? Like, you know, when you reach your, for example, for you guys, when you do your hundredth podcast, right? Or for us, when we got a hundredth customer or for us, when we hit a million dollars, right? Like that was the small win that we just like, we want to make sure we celebrate because if you're always focusing on the problems, you're going to get lost and you're going to be like, why am I doing this? Like I'm trying so hard. I'm not changing the world when you look back and like, you look at all the good that you've done. 
Right. Um, so just make sure that, you know, you, you celebrate the small wins because that's the only way that uh, you're going to sit, you're going to stay sane. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah, that's a very sound advice. Um, and so we have one last question for you, Matt, and um, we're very curious to know what your goals are for the next year. They could be related to your business or they could be personal goals as well. Uh, um, so I think, I think for goals for the next year, we're going out to raise our series A. Um, I think that is one of the things that we have been working so hard for, for, you know, the past few years. And I think when we look at kind of the metrics that we have, like we're really confident that we can go and do it, but you never know until you go through the process. Right. Um, and you know, one of the goals that we want to do is we want to be able to kind of, um, go raise that series a so that we can have more resources to, to really accomplish that goal. Right. We like to get one step further to, to bring in the joy of care back to medicine. Um, you know, I think another goal is I, I really want to grow our team. Right. You know, I love the, I love our team. I and mean, we were talking as founders the other day, like our favorite part about building this business is not that, um, you know, it's not that we, we see all these amazing metrics or, you know, we get that clout of, you know, being an entrepreneur It's that we get to start a party of people that love each other and, and love what we're doing. Um, and, you know, we, we hope, you know, we grew from three to 25 employees in one year and we're planning to go double that probably in the next year. So that is crazy. Uh, Amazing. That's, that's kind of another big goal. You know, personally, I want to, I want to just get in touch with people. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, you get so obsessed with what you're doing that you kind of lose touch with some people that you really care about. Um, and you know, you see them clapping from the sidelines, but again, right. You know, I, I've, I admittedly, um, could be doing a better job, you know, getting in touch with people that I used to talk to every day. Um, so, you know, that's a personal goal for me. Amazing. Well, we can't wait to see all of those goals, um, come to light and, you know, we, we definitely know that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So where can our listeners find out more about you and deep scribe online? So you can visit us at our website. It's uh, deepscribe.ai. That's the best place to reach us. You can find us on LinkedIn um, or anything else like that. If you want to email me, my email is matt at deepscribe.ai. I'm always happy to talk to people. And like, honestly, like, you know, one of the things that I, I take pride in is like helping other people. So I can't even count the number of people that have helped me on this journey. And like, you know, we are as a company standing on the shoulders of giants, like we would be nowhere had we not asked for help from people. Um, so it's, you know, I always like to pay it forward. If someone's listening here and, you know, wants to talk, always feel free to reach out to me. Amazing. Thank you so much for that offer, Matt. It was amazing hearing your story today and we really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Maggie. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.